0: evening everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst and I will be your host for the next hour here on WFMU. Freeform Station of the Nation from downtown Jersey City in the great state of New Jersey. I'm very happy to be with you this evening. For all the American listeners I hope you had a good Thanksgiving holiday last week. I certainly did. And I'm happy to be back here in Studio A with a very topical, if not yet timely episode, which I will explain what I'm talking about. This evening, the title of the show is Why You Shouldn't Trust Apple. And this is something that has been coming in Dribs and drabs in the news over the past year, year and a half, I've been noticing little initial signals about a shift at Apple. And the the shift honestly may have happened a few years ago, but we're starting to see the outcomes of this, uh, that Apple is dramatically changing its business model and its intent and its relationship towards its customers, which has uh, for many years at Apple, uh, all of that was treated in a very different, much more positive manner than it it is. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to set out a case for why you shouldn't trust Apple. Now notice, (coughs) excuse me, notice I'm not saying you should Throw all of your Apple devices metaphorically into the Hudson River because that's simply not realistic for a lot of people. And I know some people don't use Apple because they're on Google, which is way, way, way worse. That's not my. That's not Google's not my focus tonight. It's Apple. So for th- for those of you who look at your Apple devices and say, well, "Well, Hurst, what am I supposed to do?" I mean, I I have an iPhone here and I've got an iPad over there. Well, you're telling us not to use Apple. No, that's not what I'm telling you. I mean, you, you should consider not using them. As I say on the, at the end of every show, you should avoid Apple. But I'm, I, I just want to say at the outset, I know that it's unrealistic for people to step away totally, at least at this stage, from Apple. That's not my focus. That's not my message tonight. Instead, what my message is, is that even if you have to use Apple, there's no good alternative or there's no easy way for you to separate yourself from these devices in this company uh, you at least you should not trust apple because that has been part of the apple brand for probably almost 20 years at this point that apple has been presenting itself as a trusted company from silicon valley as opposed to all of those other bad actors and this i mean ceo apple ceo tim cook almost says it explicitly explicitly sometimes to say we're not like some companies that engage in these deceptive practices and location tracking and selling your information and there he's talking about his his main corporate rival which is google and to some extent also facebook and I think most people at this point understand the Facebook business model and how toxic and dangerous and harmful that is. And people are beginning, they are just beginning to understand the similar levels of danger and toxicity in the Google business plan. But people still to this day think, well, Apple's different. I can trust Apple. So at least I'm not using a Google Android phone, let's say. I'm not using a Google Android tablet. At least I'm on an Apple iPhone. And so I, I pay a little bit more, but I can rest easy because this is a company we can trust. <laughs> and that's, that is my uh, point of, of entry for, for the show this evening th- that I want to focus on and tell you that's what I want you to change not your ownership or your usage necessarily at this stage. I want you to change your conception of this company as a trusted or or trustworthy actor in Silicon Valley because it is not. This company is not trustworthy in the way that it presents itself and in the way that many, many, many Apple fans believe it to be. Now, let me get started here and say there's going to be some people listening, maybe you're live, maybe you're in the future listening to an archive or a podcast version of this, and they say, I, <clears throat> I already am ready to write this guy off because he's an Apple hater. There's always Apple haters out there, and they go on and on about how much they can't stand Apple this, Apple that. Well, why don't you go back and crawl back in that Google hole that you came out of and so on and so forth. And <clears throat> I know this reaction because uh, I have received that in, in different contexts <laughs> in my life and work, um, in, in, in some cases from what I have talked about here on Tectonic, that when you are critical of Apple, Inevitably, there are Apple fans who come to the defense of the company. They, they, they Understand, these people don't work for Apple. They just, they're just lifelong fans, and they say, if you say anything critical of this company, you must be a hater, and so we're going to heap some abuse on you. Well, let me just state, <clears throat> first of all, that I started using Apple products in 1986. That was when my family got our Macintosh 512KE, this was a Mac that an early model Macintosh that had 512 kilobytes. Imagine that 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 amazing storage capacity. 512 kilobytes and the E stood for enhanced and I don't know what was enhanced about it. <laughs> Certainly wasn't um it wasn't the the, the processor or the the postage stamp-sized black-and-white screen. But anyway, I was a Mac user from the 80s. I continued on into the 90s, even in the depths of <laughs> Apple's financial troubles. I continued using Mac, Macintosh computers and recommended them to others when people thought I was crazy. And then I saw the... those Remember the uh, brightly colored iMacs come out in the early aughts? And then the iPod, and then the iPhone, and then the iPad... I bought it. I bought it. I bought it, and I continue to use Apple products today. In fact, I'm looking at the comment board at wfmu.org right now on a MacBook Pro, which is is um, the the machine that I bring to the station every week, and I and I have an iPhone. So, I am fully aware of the. Uh, let me just say the, the the features and the things that you can get done with Apple products and I have chosen to use Apple over the years because it's been not because I'm a, a, a diehard Apple fan but simply because it's been the best choice for what I've wanted to get done and certainly in the last few years if you're going to buy a phone and your choices are Apple or Google I mean if you can afford the Apple product there's really no contest. Given that uh, you want to get away from Google products and Google devices as much as possible, whenever possible, so no, I'm not an Apple hater. So let's let's just let me cut you off right there. There, if you're considering sending some angry email or, or or message, I'm not an Apple hater. I'm a lifelong Apple user for the for the last 36 years, but Apple has been changing. Uh, as I say, the outcomes of some of some changes in senior leadership, uh, their attitude toward the business model and customers, we've been seeing the outcomes in the last couple of years. And I want to go go over some of those. Because the conclusion that you should not trust Apple, this I'm predicting right now, this is my prediction, November 28, 2022 on Tectonic. My prediction is this is going to be much better known within uh one or two years let's say within two years apple's change and its trustworthiness is going to become much better known the media is finally going to catch up at some point and it's it, there have been some stories written already i'll go over them in a minute but i'm i want to i want to alert you and warn you to this now so that you can start planning uh, to change your relationship with, with this company as soon as you can. Okay, so let, let me just say that the, the articles I'm going, going through this evening are all on the playlist at WFMU.org. You can click Playlist and Comments, and if you scroll down uh, in the uh, playlist section, you'll see a long list of articles. I don't know that I'll get to all of them, but I want to get to as many as I can. There's also a live listener chat that you can join in with, with other listeners. Um, if you're listening in the future go to the tectonic website at tectonic.fm t-e-c-h tonic.fm and click the playlist link for november 28 2022 here's the first story that i want to talk to you about and this this comes from uh, august of 2021 so this is not brand new news and in fact i did probably bring this up briefly on a couple of shows within the last year and that is that Apple uh, has, a, has a very interesting, some might say, hypocritical stance toward its rival Google, in which, as I said, Tim Cook often will compare, its, uh, compare Apple to Google, compare Apple favorably to Google. Well, at least we're not as bad as Google. At least we're not exploiting your data like Google. At least we're not the pioneers of surveillance capitalism like Google. You, of course, you're going to pay a little bit more for Apple, but at least we're not Google. That's th- there's a steady drumbeat of these of these implied comparisons by Cook and other Apple leaders that for wh- whatever flaws or problems or warts within the Apple portfolio, at least it's not as bad as Google, which is the 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 worst exploiter of your data and and the most deceptive. Uh, b- of, of the two companies. I mean, I think Google and Facebook are in a constant race to see who can be more deceptive. Uh, and Amazon is catching up as well. But in all of these comparisons where Cook and others say, at least we're not Google, the thing that never seems to come up <laughs> when, when Cook is talking about Apple's um, righteousness compared to Google is that every year, Cook accepts on behalf of apple cook accepts a giant payment from google you understand that google pays apple a giant sum every year why does google pay apple why does google pay its main uh, rival in the duopoly of smartphones and and mobile operating systems why is google pay apple because apple puts google search as the default search engine on iphones And what that means is if you pick up an iPhone, an Apple iPhone, and you do a a, a web search, if if you don't change any of the settings on the iPhone, you're going to search Google. And Google is thus going to get your data. Some amount of your data, your search history, your behavior is going to get fed to Google. And Google is going to monetize that. So uh, Apple takes a payment from Google because Apple continues to list Google as the default web search engine on iPhones. It's a hugely profitable location for Google. I mean, Google gets a lot a lot of surveillance data out of iPhones from, from people making web searches not having changed the search engine. Most people don't change to the default. There are some options that you can change to pretty easily, but most people they simply don't, they don't know about the options and they don't know why they need to get away from Google. So they just leave it at, at Google. Apple is happy to take the payment. Now, can you guess how much, <laughs> can you guess how much Google pays Apple to maintain its position as the default search engine? Uh, according to this Gizmodo uh, article from August 26, 2021, Google is expected to fork fork over $15 billion to Apple this year to keep its search engine the default on Safari, which is the the, uh, Apple iPhone web browser app. Google is expected to fork over $15 billion, billion with a B, $15 billion a year. Imagine being paid $15 billion for doing absolutely nothing. Google is just saying, here's a payment of $15 billion, please just don't change that default search engine. And don't give people any easier way to understand that there are options or why they should get out of our grip of our surveillance capitalist clutches. So Apple, this is all to say, Apple, for all of its comparisons, it's self-comparisons with with google and coming out favorably at the same time apple is happy to accept 15 billion dollars from google every year and where do you think those 15 billion dollars came from they came from surveillance profits google is a surveillance company so 15 billion dollars Carved out of Google's own surveillance profits, which are much much bigger than that, fifteen billion dollars is not very much for for Google. They're happy to pull that out of their surveillance profits and hand it over to Google. Uh, hand it over to Apple, excuse me. So Apple, fifteen billion dollars of free money every year, come from Google surveillance profits. So cons- just consider that that every time Tim Cook stands up and says privacy is number one for Apple, you can raise your hand and say, bull, why are you taking, if privacy is number one, why are you taking $15 billion of surveillance profits from Google? The worst, the worst offender. Again, tied with Facebook, and Amazon is is coming, uh, coming up very closely into the tie. But Google, the worst offender of surveillance capitalism, and Apple is happy to take that sum every year. It's a deeply hypocritical statement for Tim Cook or anybody else. I don't mean to single out Tim Cook, just that he's the CEO, and he's always towing the company line. And then you have these giant billboards. Have you seen the billboards? Privacy, that's Apple. Or what is it? Privacy, that's iPhone. Really? Really? Privacy is iPhone? Privacy, you mean the privacy that you sold off to Google for $15 billion. That's iPhone. Privacy being sold to Google, that's iPhone. That's what they should put on the the billboard. Someone should sue them for uh, false advertising. Okay, along with this duopoly I'm talking about, Apple and Google, you understand Apple and Google control well over (laughs) 95% of the mobile market. If you want to, Buy an app, a mobile app for your smartphone, whether it's an Apple phone or, or a Google Android phone, uh, or you want to make a purchase, an in app purchase, inside an app via an Apple iPhone or a Google Android phone, your money is going to either Apple or Google. It's a definition of a duopoly. And a duopoly is just a monopoly with two players. That's it's, it's, the, the duopolists act very similar to monopolists. There's, there's no real difference, just that there's two of them. And indeed, you see CEO Tim Cook acting like a monopolist and trying his very best to convince lawmakers not to bring about any kind of justice uh, or, or, or reasonable uh, lawmaking in the mobile market. He wants to protect his monopoly. And and in particular, what he wants to protect is the cut that Apple gets from the App Store. Now, for most of the App Store's life, until about, I think, a a year or two ago, every dollar that was spent in the Apple App Store, and that is to say, either buying an app for those that, that cost money, or paying Apple in paying someone inside of an app. So let's say you're inside of a game and there's an in-app purchase to buy a a skin or a sword or something, you pay a dollar, let's say. All, every dollar that went through that app store, Apple took 30%, a 30% cut. Now I want you to compare that with credit cards. Credit cards generally take about 3%. And already people before the app stores, people were complaining sometimes that uh, Visa, MasterCard, American Express were taking too much of a take, uh, taking a, a 3% bite out of a dollar. Boy, that's a lot. What are you guys doing? You're just facilitating a payment. You don't need to take 3%. Apple comes in and says, hey, look, we have a monopoly. You know, 3% is a lot. But you know what's a lot more fun than 3 30%. Let's multiply that by 10, 30%. Let's take 30%. No one, no one takes a 30% cut except for a monopolist. And I read somewhere the only other organization, I mean, other than Google, which says the same thing, the only other organization outside of tech that commands a 30% cut is the mafia. I mean, protection money, you know. Uh, So Apple has been taking a 30% cut on, on every dollar Until a year or two ago, after much public outcry, they said, okay, if you are a small potatoes developer, uh, we'll take 15%. So we're only going to multiply the credit card rate by five, and you're welcome. So our um, extremely uh, unethical, exploitative rate of 30%, we're going to take down to a merely – strongly exploitative unethical take of 15%. And by the way, if you added up all of the money that Apple gets from the 15% cut, it's a tiny, tiny amount of their revenue. Most of their revenue, most of, it's a hit-driven business, the mobile market, and most of Apple's revenue comes from big fish that are continuing to pay Apple 30%. So most of the App Store revenue, the lion's share of App Store revenue for Apple, continues to come in at a 30% cut for Apple, which is completely outrageous. And there have been bills in Congress, which I've covered on past shows. You can go back and listen to the June 2022 show, where I talked about the, the two bills that were... Uh, We, I was hoping would pass uh, before the elections, the American Innovation and Choice Online Act and the Open App Markets Act. The the first one would have taken out uh, Apple and Google and Amazon's ability to self-preference their own uh, apps in this case. So when you search on an app, Apple would no longer be able to spam the users with their own apps before listing other developers and then the open apps market app uh, act excuse me i think was going to do something about that 30% cut tim cook himself ceo of apple went to the senate to lobby lawmakers this is what companies do when they're up against the wall and they need to protect their monopoly they they deploy the ceo to go talk to the lawmakers uh, himself or herself. In, in this case, Tim Cook was spotted, and I, I have, a, I have a, a photo on the playlist this evening of Tim Cook in the Senate basement on his way to one of these meetings. Um, at the same time, whenever Tim Cook is asked, uh, do you have a monopoly, he says the same thing that all the other monopolists say. Monopoly, what are you talking about? No, there's so many different options. There's so many different options for users. We would never, ever, act as a monopolist i'm i'm shocked that anyone would you know and so on and so forth so what do we have we have first apple is accepting 15 billion dollars from google and surveillance profits putting lie to the to the claim apple's claim on giant billboards that privacy has anything to do with the iphone and second that apple continues to act as a monopoly taking a usurious uh, thieving 30% cut of almost all of the revenue they get through the App Store with purchases and in-app purchases, and lawmakers have so far, uh, and I'm talking about the, the 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 good team, the team the team Tectonic, the lawmakers who are actually trying to do something to help developers and help us, the users, uh, have been unable to uh, budge Apple's chokehold on the mobile economy as of yet let's go on to the third thing let's talk about the change in apple's business model so for a long time apple was a hardware business they made overpriced computers and they made and then recently they've made overpriced uh phones and for those who want wrist uh, ankle bracelets worn on the wrist they have this thing called the apple watch a luxury surveillance device. I don't know why people would want to surveil themselves, but some people do, and so you are buying an overpriced watch uh, slash personal surveillance device. And for a long time, that was good enough for Apple to make make overpriced hardware. And I keep saying overpriced because they are <laughs> overpriced. I mean, they're too they're too exp- they're, they're much more expensive than they should be. But again, when you' when your options are either an Apple Mac that actually kind of sort of works or some Google or Microsoft thing, um, there's not much of a choice in my opinion. So you pay the you pay the extra fee, but I still call them overpriced. So as an overpriced hardware company, um, Apple made great margins and they were able to grow. I think it was 1997, when they almost went out of business, and this is just before uh, Steve Jobs launched the multicolored IMAX. So from that low point in, in the spring of 1997 to today, Apple is the uh, is the has the highest market capitalization of any company in human history. I looked at it today; Apple's market cap as of today is 2.3 trillion dollars. And what's interesting is Apple just a couple of years ago made the news because they were the first trillion dollar company. So just in the space of a couple of years, I don't know, it's two plus or minus six months, I don't know, around two years, Apple has added a trillion dollars to its market value. I'm not sure why. had something to do with the pandemic, I guess, and the consolidation of the stock market. But Apple is getting to a point where being an overpriced hardware company is not good enough because you you know how the market works. The company, they come out with a product, they make some money, the market is supposed to reward them by uh, pushing up the stock price and, you know, it keeps going up and up and up. And at some point, you have won capitalism. I mean, Apple has won. They're a $2.3 trillion company, most expensive company ever. You've won. What do you want now, Apple? And Apple says, more. More growth. What I want is more growth. And increasingly, it looks like more growth at any cost, just to act like every other Silicon Valley company out there. So if you are an overpriced hardware company and you have squeezed all of the profit you can out of selling computers and phones and pads and surveillance devices of all shapes and sizes. And you've pretty much tapped it out. I mean, they can go steady state, let's say, and keep selling maybe the same number of devices every year. But it's not an exponential increase, which is what Wall Street likes. And so Wall Street comes and says, you're a $2.3 trillion company. That's not enough. How are you going to double again? We need it to go up and up and up. Well, inevitably, Apple starts looking around beyond what they have done up to now, beyond the hardware. They're going to keep doing the hardware, but they keep saying, what else can we do? What can we do beyond being an overpriced hardware company? And it lands in this Wired UK article from October 20, just a few weeks ago. The headline is, Apple is an ad company now. Now... As the Wired UK company points out, Apple has sold ads inside Apple News and in the App Store since 2016. So just the fact that Apple is selling ads is not new. But something has changed in that, and this is me talking, not Wired, in that Apple now is shifting its strategy to strongly pursue advertising as a source of growth. And this is where a, a lot of new problems. Apple already has problems, like I've just been describing to you. But this shift to an ad-based model is going to create a whole host of new problems for all of us. And this is, a, this is a seismic, I could even say it's a tectonic shift within Apple that it is beginning to embrace advertising as a source of growth. They are desperate for growth at any cost and this is a real change this i told you at the, at the beginning of the story at the beginning of this episode that apple is changing and within a couple of years it's going to become more clear and more common knowledge that apple has changed but i'm telling you now in the fall of 2022 that it is happening and it's happening fast this is a change apple did not used to be like this Apple used to be a purveyor of overpriced hardware, and we could complain about the prices, but the hardware tended to work pretty well. Here I'm talking about the computers. I I don't have many good things to say about their wrist-worn surveillance devices, but you get the idea. An overpriced hardware company that usually made pretty decent hardware products. But now Apple is saying we're not going to um, contain ourselves just in making hardware we're going to be delivering ads as well and the reason that's really important is because when you build an ad stack you have to build in surveillance you have to build in ever more intrusive and ambient ever present surveillance of the users and it has to be largely without their knowledge and thus without their consent. Because if Apple users knew what they were about to be subjected to, <laughs> there would be protests. And yes, I know there are protests at the Foxconn factory in China that makes the iPhones. Here I'm talking about if, if uh, American and other Western users knew the plans that Apple had for them, they would not be happy. And they would be voicing their unhappiness. So Apple is keeping this very quiet. So this is why I'm so happy there have been a couple of stories writing about this. Wired UK wrote one of these stories. And I'm going to get to, in a moment, I'm going to get to the story on the Proton blog that goes in a little more detail. And then there's some Gizmodo pieces. Gizmodo's been doing a great job with this. But I, before I get, really dive into the advertising bit, I want to play a piece from uh, 2010. And what I'm going to play for you is a clip of Steve Jobs, who in 2010, uh, b- before he passed, he was, of course, the founder and CEO of Apple, and he and Tim Cook was working for him, but Steve Jobs was in charge, and what he said uh, w- was law within Apple. However things, however things uh, went at Apple, that was because of Steve's directives, and so what Steve says here in 2010 is really important. It's on the stage at a conference, a technology conference called D8. This was hosted by Walt Mossberg and Kara Swisher. And Walt Mossberg, uh, is, is uh, you're going to hear in this clip, is going to ask Steve Jobs his take on privacy. And Steve is going to make reference to some of his other colleagues, quote-unquote, in Silicon Valley. And in this case, he's talking about Mark Zuckerberg because at the time, People were just beginning to realize that Facebook, in building a growth-at-any-cost ad system, was, of course, engaging in unwarranted surveillance without users' knowledge or consent. In other words, exactly the thing that Apple is embarking on right now, 12 years later. But first, let's go to the before times in 2010, and let me play for you what Steve Jobs said that Apple's ethos was around user privacy.
1: Is privacy looked at differently in, the, in Silicon Valley than in the rest of America? Uh, no,
0: Silicon Valley is not monolithic.
1: Uh, we've always had a very different view of privacy than some of our colleagues in the Valley. We take privacy extremely seriously. As an example, we worry a lot about location in phones, and we worry that some You know, 14-year-old is going to get stalked and something terrible is going to happen because of our phone. And so as an example, before any app can get location data, we don't make it a rule that they have to put up a panel and ask because they might not follow that rule. They call our location services and we put up the panel saying, this app wants to use your location data. Is that okay with you? every time they want to use it. And we do a lot of things like that to, to to ensure that people understand what these apps are doing. That's one of the reasons we have the Curated App Store. We have rejected a lot of apps that want to take a lot of your personal data and suck it up into the cloud. A lot. so. We're really old. A lot of people in the Valley think we're really old-fashioned about this. Uh, and maybe we are. But we worry about stuff like this. But aren't you also going to be moving more into cloud-based things? Are we going to be moving more into cloud-based things? Sure. But, but and doesn't that inevitably no. get you? No. Privacy means people know what they're signing up for in plain English and repeatedly that's what it means. I, I have, I'm an optimist. I believe people are smart. And some people want to share more data than other people do. Ask them. Ask them every time. Make them tell you to stop asking them if they get tired of you asking them. Let them know precisely what you're going to do with their data. Okay. okay. That's, well, that's what we think. You. Okay, why don't we
0: open up the. Uh... Okay, you heard the applause there. The audience at the D8 conference in 2010, obviously very happy to hear Steve Jobs' principled, ethical, in, in, in this case, principled and ethical uh, approach to privacy, which is saying we are not going to be deceptive to our users. That's not who we are, that's not how Apple works. And I think uh, Jobs at the time in 2010 had the luxury of saying that because at the time Apple made its money as an overpriced hardware company. But times have changed. They've made the, the money that they can make. Uh, they've made the growth, I, I should say, that they can make in, in following that strategy. Now they're at $2.3 trillion. And Wall Street says more. So Apple says all that about uh, being upfront and straightforward and trustworthy with our users, being clear and transparent about what we're doing with their data, and uh, not tracking them. Uh, gosh, you know, if we could just compromise our principles there, think we could we could eke out a couple more years of growth. <laughs> you know, just just as a side note, it's so stupid because you know you can't grow forever. So why? Why compromise your principles to eke out a couple, more, a couple more years? You're going to shame yourself, and then you're going to be in the same quandary that you are now, looking for more growth. Except then you will have already sold off your principles. What are you going to have left then? It's just so stupid. Anyway, that's why I'm not the CEO of a public company, I guess. So this going back to this, um, that was the before times. In 2010, when Jobs was saying, this is not who Apple is. Now let's go to 2022, and if you go to the playlist, again, at WFMU.org, click Playlists and Comments, you'll see a series of Gizmodo articles, credit to Gizmodo for really digging into this and covering this story. There's several of, several of their articles from this month, from November 2022, and it all started with an article entitled... Apple is tracking you even when its own privacy settings say it's not. New research says, and the article goes on to say, an independent test suggests that Apple collects data about you and your phone when its own settings promise to disable the sharing of device analytics altogether. <laughs> and you can, you can go and read that article uh, in detail where there are security researchers going in and really looking carefully at the data that's being passed back and forth from an iPhone, and they're finding even when you set the settings that say, don't share my data, guess what? It's sharing your data with Apple. And some people would say, oh, well, it's a small thing. It's a little, it's a tiny little exception. Maybe it's a bug or a glitch, or maybe, maybe it was an oversight, and I'm sure the programmers are gonna fix that. Yes, maybe if this was 12 years ago, friend, I would listen to that argument because I would know there's really no business that Apple has in compromising users' privacy. But this is today, we're in 2022. Apple, as Wired UK said accurately, Apple is an ad company now. They're looking for growth and they intend to use your location data, use your uh, personal identity, in any, any sort of personally identifying data they can get out of your iPhone, out of your other surveillance devices, eventually, maybe not today, but they're on the trajectory to eventually become just as bad as Google and Facebook because that's where the growth is. And this leads me to this Proton blog post from November 24, just four days ago, entitled, Apple is becoming an ad company despite privacy claims. You're saying, Proton blog, what's that? Proton is a company that makes uh, a VPN, and they make an email service, and they make several online products, all privacy-focused. Uh, and you can, you can find, if you click on this Proton blog uh, link, and you'll, you can get to their site pretty easily. Here's what the article says. Apple's advertising operation follows the surveillance capitalism model of its rivals, using data it collects from various Apple services and your Apple account to show you ads in the App Store, as well as the News app and the Stocks app. Uh, Apple currently brings in roughly $4 billion from advertising and by 2026 is forecasted to bring in as much as $30 billion. These amounts are much smaller than the $210 billion that Google made from its ad services but they represent a change in philosophy for Apple, which as of 2017 only er earned $300 million, a third of $1 billion. So you could see this change in philosophy from basically not making any money from ads to looking at by, what, four years from now, $30 billion. That's a 100X increase in nine years in advertising. This company is hungry for your data. Now, some people are going to say, didn't I hear that Apple turned off all the tracking and and it really ruined Mark Zuckerberg's day, so Facebook is losing money because Facebook can't track you as easily if you're using the Facebook app on an iPhone? Yeah, yeah, that's partially true. Yeah, sure. But does that mean that Apple is privacy-focused? No, no. Apple much like Google before it is redefining, and Facebook as well, redefining the meaning of the word privacy. Privacy to most people means nobody is tracking me. No one is creeping me out by surveilling my every move, listening to my conversations, watching where I walk, taking a look at my photos, get your hands off of my data. That's what privacy means to most people. But to Apple and Google and Facebook and increasingly Amazon as well, for, for these companies, privacy, quote-unquote, means only we get to surveil you. We don't let the other big tech companies surveil you. Privacy means, Apple, Apple says, privacy means we have private access. We, Apple, have our own private access to your data. But don't worry. We're not going to let Mark Zuckerberg get his clammy fingers on your data. Only we, your good buddies at Apple, are going to be surveilling you, Versus uh, off of your data. It's a big change, friends. Uh, there's more Gizmodo reading to do on the playlist at, at WFMU.org. Okay, next. Um, there. And by the way, on these ads that are popping up everywhere, not long ago, The Verge, this is just a few weeks ago, on October 26th, The Verge reported that Apple developers are frustrated with gambling ads appearing across the Apple App Store. Quote, gambling app ads have even started showing up beneath apps meant to help users recover from a gambling addiction. So here's one where Apple says, "Oh, you're you want to sell gambling? That's great. Let's let's just paper over the entire App Store and even in the places where there are apps helping Gambling addicts recover from the, from this uh, from this terrible condition. Yeah, go ahead, go 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 ahead. Just make sure you pay us on the way in. They're acting just like Google and Facebook again. I'm telling you, not that all of this should get you to throw yet your iPhone and your your MacBook metaphorically in the Hudson River because we don't have any great alternatives yet. Because. Google is really the only viable alternative, and and, Microsoft Windows computers, we don't want to use those. Uh, But I'm just telling you, the shift that I want you to make is your level of trust for Apple. I just want you to understand that Apple is not trustworthy because Apple is pursuing a Facebook and Google and Amazon strategy. They are no different. They are no different from those other predators in Silicon Valley. Don't believe those stupid billboards that show you a giant iPhone littered with all kinds of cameras. This is the, the chutzpah. It's, a, it's an iPhone with, with three or four cameras looking at you out of the billboard, and it says privacy. Are you kidding me? This is not a trustworthy company. You may need to use them. You may need to use their devices. You may even need to use their devices while you're being surveilled without your knowledge or consent or any, any uh, ability to appeal that. Just don't trust them, okay? Next, I want to tell you about their work with the Vladimir Putin regime in Russia and the Xi Jinping regime in China, helping these regimes suppress democratic uh, activists, democratic activities, and in the case of China, to tamp down on worker rights as well. So again, from Gizmodo, this is from... Uh, September of 2021, Apple and Google pull opposition app from Russian stores following Kremlin pressure. So you you may have heard about Navalny, who was uh, running for uh, parliament within uh, within Russia. He's a pro-democracy candidate, uh, very popular, very well-known, and celebrated in the West as well because he was really putting up some resistance to Putin. And he had an app that was available on the Apple App Store until, that is, Vladimir Putin's, uh, probably not Putin himself, but one of his uh, lieutenants gave a call over to Apple and said, hey, we don't like this Navalny app. Tim Cook or his lieutenant said, yes, sir, right away, sir, we'll have it down by noon. Have a a wonderful day there. And down came the Navalny app. Same thing happened at Google, by the way, but you kind of expect Google to do that. Uh, I mean, the move really smells like Google, but I'm telling you, Apple did the same thing. Go read the Gizmodo piece. Uh, And then in terms of China, I covered this on the November 14 show just two weeks ago. So I won't go into a huge amount of detail, but just to state this, that uh, from a Bloomberg article from November 9 of of this month, of this year, Apple limits iPhone file sharing tool used for protests in China. And this is one where the Bluetooth enabled AirDrop functionality, where one iPhone user can share very quickly a bunch of uh, files, maybe big files like videos or, or posters, let's say, uh, or Samizdat, going from one iPhone user to another, that can help spread democratic materials among activist groups. And when China found that this was getting a little bit out of hand, Xi Jinping's people again called Tim Cook's people and said, we don't like AirDrop. Now this is not an app that you can take down from the App Store like the Navalny app. So you can't have it done by noon. Apple has to make a basic protocol change in how the file sharing works. This is a much more, uh, I would say, low level fundamental change to how Apple devices work. And Apple said, yes, sir, right away. We wouldn't want those pro-democracy activists. Did, we, did you see what we did in, in Russia? We are happy to take down those pro-democracy activists. Made or designed in California. Made in China, as they say. And so they limited file sharing. If you're anonymous, they limited file sharing on Bluetooth uh, on AirDrop to 10 minutes. I don't know what happens after the 10 minutes. If there's a timeout of an hour or a day, I don't know. But according to Bloomberg, you can only share materials anonymously for 10 minutes, which presumably is not quite long enough for the activists to share what they want to share. This appears to have been at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party in Apple's bid to help Xi Jinping tamp down on pro-democracy activity in his, com- in his country. You can't trust Apple. If you see this as designed in California, you can just ask, is is, is there democracy in California? What are we supposed to think about designed in California? Are you proud of the work you do there at Apple? Are you proud of being complicit in these authoritarian regimes (coughs) and their bids for continued power? I just, I, I can't fathom what it would take to uh, to actually make those code changes, I, I I just for for an American programmer, a self-respecting American programmer to take that order and to put in those code changes in order to tamp down on democracy, what a world! And then we get to worker rights, and I'm sure you have probably heard about the riots going on at the iPhone factory, the Foxconn iPhone factory, the main one, there's several, but the the main one in in China, workers, this is Gizmodo now, just a few days ago, November 23, workers battle police at China's main iPhone plant amid protests. And part of that is due to the COVID restrictions and part of that is due apparently to workers not being paid fairly or not being paid on time or just simply not being paid. Uh, and that is, I will grant, that that is probably not a decision that reached Tim Cook's desk. Uh, it's probably not an Apple decision at all. But just know that Apple is dependent on those Foxconn factories in order to uh, assemble and deliver these iPhones to you, to Americans and Canadians, wherever you live. And so, the, in fact, these protests I read today i think it was in the times apparently the protests have gotten so heated and the work has really slowed down there at the foxconn factory that apple is now projecting that they are going to be low on inventory for whatever the new iphone model is for the holiday season which really does not bother me at all but uh it (laughs) the, the 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 lack of inventory what bothers me is that a key apple partner is in the headlines for having security forces beat up the workers. Uh, And the workers are rioting because they're not being treated fairly. And this goes hand in hand with what Amelia Pong was saying when she was on the show last year, uh, talking about the use of forced labor uh, in Apple suppliers. And and I'm not saying that's Foxconn, but Apple has many suppliers in China and there was an insider piece on May 10, this is also on the playlist, May 10, 2021, seven Apple suppliers in China have links to forced labor programs. So just keep in mind if, if and when you go to the Apple store to buy a new device, and I understand you may have to, just keep in mind the, uh, the lack of worker rights in some cases, maybe some of the components in that device were assembled by forced laborers, which is to say slave laborers working in camps, uh, maybe because of their religion. I mean, it's a terrible, go back and listen to the interview with Amelia Pong uh, last year, it's in the the archives. Finally, I'm almost out of time. Finally, um, after all of these problems, uh, just one word about what's gonna happen in the future, Apple is going to continue to expand its use of surveillance technology and under the banner of you can trust us, you can trust us, much the way they got everyone to scan their fingerprints on their iPhone. And then after that, to scan their face and use facial recognition on their iPhones just to get, get away from the, the, the lock screen, the, the horrible task of typing in a pin, a six-digit pin. It's so much easier, they said, to just scan your fingerprint or scan your face. Don't worry, you can trust us. Of course, that normalizes the practice of intrusive surveillance on devices and it's spreading everywhere now because all these other companies now say, scan your fingerprint. Oh, you don't want to? Well, you did it on your iPhone. Why won't you do it here? Come on, everyone's doing it. Scan your face at the airport. What? You you don't like facial recognition? You just scanned your face on your iPhone. So it's a it's a gateway drug, so to speak, to the uh, the... Uh, the spreading of these surveillance platforms and practices throughout our lives, throughout society. And it starts with Apple with the lie that we can trust Apple. You cannot trust Apple. And the last thing I'll say is Apple desperately, desperately wants to get the next generation hooked on their surveillance devices. And you should see this. You should see this Uh, New York Times piece from September, September 1st, 2022. An Apple Watch for your five-year-old? More parents say yes. And uh, Apple is now finding that they can sell smartwatches to parents who are going to then pass them on to kids as early as five years old to habituate them to wearing a surveillance device and be a lifelong consumer of Apple, a company that you can surely trust, right? Because privacy is number one. No, no. Privacy is nothing to Apple. They need to grow, and you can't trust Apple. You've been listening to the greatest radio station of the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockin County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Until next time, friends, you know what to do. Abandon Amazon. Avoid Apple. Forget Facebook and whatever you do. Get off Google. And by the way, read the playlist. DJ Arb wants you to send her a limerick, or a haiku about your thoughts toward technology at Alina, that's A-L-I-N-A, at WFMU.org. Please stay tuned for Tom Dash, guest hosting for Dave Mandel, and It's Complicated. See See you next time, everybody. Have a good week.